You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Good morning. Good morning. Turn, if you would, to your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. The Lord leads us and gives us the opportunity. We're going to be in Colossians 3 for the month of May to some extent. At least that's what we're going to be focusing on most of, try to work our way through it. And I'm, I kind of know that for me, it's hard for me to focus on the main points of something. So hopefully the Lord can give me the grace to do so. I want to, I want to try to bring out the main points of the passage. Sometimes I get into a passage, I'm working through it. I work through the passage and I feel like I don't cover the main points like I should. So I'm trusting the Lord to, to help me in that area, to make it so that we can focus on the main, main points, something that we can gain from it and we can grow in our Lord through it. So Colossians chapter 3, today we're going to read through one, verse 1 through 6. We're going to work through verse 1 through 6. It's kind of piggybacks off Pastor Evans' Sunday school lesson last week. And it wasn't like I prepared this after Pastor Evans had his message either. I'd already been working on this lesson, but um, it kind of piggybacks. He was in Isaiah, but here in Colossians, we kind of find the same thing that Isaiah experienced being spelled out for us by the Apostle Paul here in Colossians chapter 3. So I'm just going to read verse 1 through 6 right now for us and we get started. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray that you would just help me this morning, Lord, to present your word. Lord, to touch our hearts, Lord, so that we can grow in our affection for you. Lord, in our desire for heavenly things and to put these things of the earth aside. Lord, so that we can live out what you have called us to do on this earth. Lord, help us to understand that this life is tempor temporal, Lord, but that Eternity is forever, Lord, and help us to set our affections on the things above. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, in the world today, I know we all know that there is a serious fight for our affections. Our affections are under serious attack as a nation, as individuals, as churches. What we set our affections on is under attack. Some of the affection that we have, and obviously we need to have affection, some of the affection we have is good, like the affection we have for our family, the affection we have for our church, that sort of thing, the affection we have for our Lord. That's good affection. Some of this affection, though, is bad, and that's the affection that Satan desires us to have, to draw us away from the things which are above, the things that God desires to have our affection set on, and to focus our affection on these things that are temporal, these things that are earthly, to appeal to our flesh so that we put our focus and our attention on the things of the flesh as opposed to the things of God. Our primary affection and our only affection in comparison to the things of this world is to be toward the things which are above as Apostle Paul lays out for us here in Colossians chapter 3. 
But this fight for, that we have today for our, our affections, it's a multifaceted fight, right? I mean, it's, it's sometimes hard to grasp how our affection is being drawn away into some areas. We don't really realize it at certain times that our affection is being drawn away from the Lord and into these other areas, that we're, that we're wrongly placing our affection on the things we shouldn't. You know, it's hard to grasp sometimes how our affection is being stolen by this world, by our flesh. You know, it's almost like if I compare this, this battle for our affection to the, to the Hydra of Greek, Greek mythology, right? That multi-headed monster that in later, you know, references to it, if you cut off one head, two grows in its place, or three grows in its place. You know, that's what it seems like sometimes where we're fighting this battle for our affection in our life. It, this is how it feels in relation to tackling our lack of our proper affection for the things of God and the improper affection we have for the things of this world. Because it's so easy to get sidetracked onto the things of this world and get our focus off of the eternal and onto the temporal. Just this morning, you know, obviously it's Sunday morning, I was telling Pastor Evans this this morning, you know, I've been having texts and phone calls all morning because the server went down at work. So, you know, what I, it always happens on Sunday. If, if it's going to happen, it's going to be on a Sunday morning right before I'm going to get up to, to, to bring you a lesson because that's the way it works when you know, the prince and the power of this air has control. And sometimes, you know, it's just the Lord allowing these things into my life to, to try me, to see how my affection is being placed properly on him. Do I care more for the things of my work on a Sunday, or can I put my focus on the Lord, even though these things are going on that may draw us away? You know, um, coincidentally, in the 1800s, the French artist Gustave Moreau point, painted a picture of the hydra for this Greek mythology, and he related it to the beast of the Revelation, this, this beast that had seven heads and ten horns. So you can see how throughout history, really, we've understood that Satan has many, many heads, many ways that he can come at you to draw away your affection. So sometimes, you know, these things can be good things, that they're outwardly, they're good, but yet they take our affection away from the things of above. There's no doubt that the one in charge of this world system, the one that wants us to draw away from following the Lord as we should, is the devil. And the world wants to think that here and now, these temporal things that we experience each and every day, that's the only thing that matters. That there's no result other than the now that matters for any length of time whatsoever. Our, our current pleasure, our current state of pleasure is all that matters. And we know that not to be true. But if we allow the world to dictate the terms, if we allow them to dictate to us how we can be happy and fulfilled and joyful in life, then we're going to find ourselves increasingly dissatisfied as our affections and the results of setting our affections of things of this world would leave us increasingly unfulfilled. Because obviously a Christian who is out of fellowship with God, not walking after the things of God, is going to be completely unfulfilled in our lives. So how do we have our affection in the proper place? How do we have this affection in our proper place so that we can live our lives pleasing to the Lord, so we can experience the joy and the peace and the blessing and the prosperity that he has for us for eternity and not just for here and now? Alive but dead. Alive but dead. This setting our affection on things above is not a cakewalk, but it's really an existential fight, right? If we want to have our spiritual life succeed to the glory of God and to the improvement of our families and our church and our nation and, and the people around us, we're going to have to put up a fight. It's not going to come easy to have our affections set on things above. 
You know, this phrase, set your affection, is a little stronger than what we might think of in our modern word for affection. We, could, we can use affection kind of flippantly, that I have an affection for this or that or whatever. But here in this passage, this phrase, set your affection, it's a little stronger than that. We might think of affection as a casual care for something. Um, you know, maybe like I have an affection for coffee within 10 minutes of getting out of bed. Although I would say that's probably greater than an affection. It's a need. It's something that I need. Probably not. But, you know, that's not what affection even means here in this passage. Set your affection in this phrase, in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3, set your affection on things above. This set your affection phrase is literally to direct our mind over to be like-minded with someone else. So, we care about the things above so much that we put our mind completely in tune with God in those areas. Setting our mind and heart, which we, where we hold our affections on these things above, holding them in highest regard, and endeavoring to walk in line with the mind of God and the will of God in our lives. That's what this phrase, set our affections on things above, really means to us. That we get our mind and our heart completely in tune with God's mind and his heart because we care about him so much. One of the things that, you know, we've probably heard in movies, read in books, you know, about different great military heroes, those who perform great things on the battlefield. In order to fight and not have fear control you, you have to settle it in your mind that you are already dead and that the only thing you're fighting for is to keep everybody else around you alive. That you are not going to make it out alive, but that you're already dead. But that everybody else around you and your friends back home, those are the people that you're fighting for. And in the Christian life, that is exactly true. We are dead, but we are alive at the same time. Colossians 3.3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So then back to verse 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We are risen with Christ, alive unto new life. But our old man is dead, and we must go about the process of daily killing our flesh as well, putting to death our flesh as well, that we are dead, but we are alive unto God. Putting our flesh to death, not literally in the, in the physical sense, but spiritually, in the spiritual sense, putting to death those those wicked members that we have in our flesh that we inherited through our DNA, through Adam, that are being appealed to by all these things of the world to draw our affections away from the things of God. When people see our lives lived out and observe where our affections are placed, they should see Christ and not me. Because I live only through Christ. When Christ died on the cross for my sin, I died with him. All of my sin, all of my iniquity, everything that I have done and will do contrary to the word of God, put me in the grave with Christ. But when he arose, I was made alive with him through his resurrection. And we have to understand that we are only alive through Christ. But apart from Christ, I am not alive. I am still dead in my trespasses and sins. In Ephesians 2, 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You hath he quickened. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Christ did the work 2,000 years ago and held it in trust for me until I put my faith in him 30 years ago. So now I am alive, but I am dead, at least I should be, to the affections of this world. And my affections should be solely placed on the Lord Jesus. These mortal items that we see each day, the things of this earth, 
should be dead to me because my affection is with Christ. But in order to win this fight, we have to consider these earthly things to be dead. We have to mortify the things of the body, as we find in verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Mortify those physical things, those, those earthly things, those temporal things. Put them to death so that you can set your affection on things above. We must set our hearts and minds completely in the path of God's wisdom, seeking to be in tune with the mind of our Lord. So the things that we are dead to. You know, when someone, when someone dies, we're no longer able to communicate with them, right? I mean, they're there. We can see them in the coffin. We can see them as they just passed. And we understand that person is no longer inhabiting that earthly frame, that temporal frame. And it's a time of sadness. It's a time of sadness, realizing that a part of us has died with that person as well. A part of us has gone with them. And it's a sad time. But in less somber terms... There's people, maybe, that we might have considered ourselves to be dead to. Maybe these people have offended us at some point in the past. Or maybe they are, you know, bad friends that we've had in the past that we've separated ourselves from, and we've become dead to them, okay? That's kind of how we need to become dead to these things of the world. Yes, we have this physical flesh, but we need to become dead to it because we've, we've chosen to put that aside, like we put, put away you know, bad friends, bad music, other things that we have chosen to put away. Maybe even, even um, bad food. You know, like, I am dead to peanuts, okay? I am completely dead to peanuts. I wish they did not exist. I wish that every jar of peanut butter on the shelf would turn to green slime. I wish that every peanut in the ground would just rot, would rot in the ground. Those worm shells, those nasty worm shells that grow in the mud would just rot in the ground. That is how dead I am to peanuts. And that is because I have a reason to hate peanuts because, you know, they try to kill me. So, okay, but in, in, in the spiritual sense, the reason I hate peanuts is because I realize how much damage they do to my body, my physical body. You know, Isaac had to rush me to the hospital one time just from playing basketball over at, where we were at? We are at uh, Jackson Christian. And somebody had a peanut butter cup, had enough peanut butter on his hands to get it on the ball. I licked my fingers because we didn't sweep the floor and it was dusty. And Isaac had to run me to the hospital. That's because that's how much damage peanuts can do to me. But do we realize how much damage the things of this earth can do to our spiritual lives when we allow our affections to be on them rather than on God? That same physical death that I fear from peanuts or that I avoid with peanuts, is the same type of death that can be brought into our lives when our affection is improperly placed on these, these physical members that we have, these fleshly members that we have. When we allow our flesh to take over our affections, we become spiritually dead. And that is not the situation we want to be in if we want to truly please the Lord. When Adam sinned in the garden, he passed on through his DNA all of these members of death. When we realize we are alive with Christ, that second Adam, we must mortify or kill those fleshly members, pass on to us, and walk in the spiritual new life given to us by Christ. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are watching as our country goes down the path of utter corruption going down the path of utter corruption, and it really, we're just fulfilling the promises of Scripture 
as we go along. We're just fulfilling all these promises that the Lord has given. If we go these, these areas, if we give over to these things, that this is the corruption we're going to see in our lives. When we give in to our lust, rejecting the divine nature, we will only experience corruption. This corruption comes through these areas that we are told to mortify or to kill in our own life. And it lists them out here in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read through them really quick. Fornication. We often think of as sex outside of marriage, but it would fall into that. And it really encompasses all sexual sins. So we need to be dead to those sins of fornication, including adultery, homosexuality, bestiality. All that would fall into that classification of fornication. We need to be dead to it. And we can see that in our world, the affections of this world are completely given over to those things. They have become so commonplace in our culture. We can't allow them to become commonplace in our lives as well. They draw our affection away from the things above. Secondly, uncleanness. Now this can be probably physical uncleanness, but it also has to do with the lusting for immoral or extravagant things, extravagant practices that we could engage in to satisfy our flesh. You know, in America, it's all about extravagance. It's all about extravagance or immoral living. You know, think of all the reality TV shows um, or the movies where, where the goal is to show how people live extravagantly and immorally without care for the things of God, only in pleasing themselves. And we have a nation have lived the blessings of God to the satisfaction of our flesh far too long. And it is good to enjoy the blessings of God and use them properly. But we as a nation and, you know, as the church in general, we have allowed this uncleanness to control us, to draw our affection away from the Lord. Thirdly, in verse 5, we could see inordinate affection. Inordinate affection is the same word used in Romans chapter 1, verse 26, describing men and women giving up their natural use and turning to sodomy. And we see the onslaught that comes of that, of now they call evil good and good evil, because they've given over to this inordinate affection. This is one area of Scripture that we are specifically told to mortify as one of our dead members if we want to please the Lord. Now, does that mean... We hate the people who are involved in this. No, it does not. We still love them and hope that they will come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance from their sins. But the sin itself is something we need to be dead to, and we should not want anybody to be encouraged to be alive to either. We need to fight against that because it only brings death. It only brings corruption. It doesn't allow us to walk with the mind of Christ. And there, I don't know how anybody could say that walking in these sins... We are truly walking according to the will of God if God hates these things. We can't say it. It's a, it's a lie to say that we are. Fourthly, evil concupiscence. Evil concupiscence. And we see this is a strong desire for lust or lust for that which is forbidden. The strong desire that if left unchecked leads to the fulfillment of this desire, this desire and leads to depravity. And our nation is going down that route full speed to this state of depravity where we have allowed our concupiscence to become reality. Fifthly, we see that covetousness is another area that we should be dead to. These are the areas that we are to be dead to. Later on in Colossians chapter 3, we're going we're to see the things that we also need to put off and then the things that we need to put on. So these are the first aspect that Paul covers. These are the things that we should absolutely be dead to that we have no affection for. But these are the things that we also see prim primarily in our world as being promoted as the things that our affection should be drawn to, which is why we have to fight against them in order to have our affection set on things above. 
Covetousness is the fifth thing, and that's the greedy desire to have more. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, have a streak of covetousness in us. Whether we understand it, whether we want to admit to it, we all are covetous of one thing or another, whether it's money, whether it's, you know, men if you're a woman, or women if you're a man, or, you know, whether it's whatever, we all are covetous to some extent in our lives, and we need to understand that and not give in to our covetousness. We need to be dead to it. If we see our desire being awakened by watching something on TV or seeing what somebody else has and now has, and now we have that desire that cannot be satisfied that we think of all the time, and unless we have something similar to what they have, we've given over to covetousness, and we need to repent of that and turn our affection to the things above. So all our auto-controlled desires for things we do not have is why we have the welfare state that we have today, why we have the ability for politicians to stir up this, this racial and class warfare that they try to stir up. Why? Because they can, they can invoke covetousness. They can, they can appeal to our covetous nature so easily to stir up these things, these desires that, you know, I don't have what somebody else has and that's their problem and I should have it. That's because of the covetous nature that we have. This covetousness turns our minds from desiring things above and solely focuses our attentions on the temporal, earthly, corrupt things that do not benefit us for eternity. After verse 5, we have this passage, verse 6. It says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of... Oh, sorry, I skipped over. I wanted to read the end of verse 5. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, if you read that passage... We could say that just covetousness is idolatry. But in verse 6, it goes on to say, these things are what the wrath of God cometh upon. I believe that not just covetousness is idolatry, but all of these things listed above here fall under that category, which is idolatry. Because if we think about idolatry, what is idol, idol worship? Idol worship is really worshiping anything above God, worshiping something made with, of man, made with her hands or just some something in nature, worshiping that above God. All of these thin, sins that we are to be dead to when fulfilled by our flesh is idolatry. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, concupiscence, covetousness. The act of committing these sins is really the act of worshiping ourselves as God and rejecting the worship of the true God. Because who are we trying to please? We're trying to please ourselves, right? We're saying that ourself is the most important person in the universe and that's who we're trying to please by engaging in these acts that we have been made dead to when we trusted Jesus as our Savior. Now, obviously, the world, they, have, they, they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside them, these unbelievers. So they don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them. They just have these natural members that are drawing them into all these things. But we, as believers, that have been awakened to the knowledge of God and the wisdom that comes from His Word and the Holy Spirit living inside us, should, should be able to be dead to these things because we are dead to these things. We just need to be the ones to mortify them every day and not give in to them, not allow, allow them to awaken themselves in our life and draw away our affection. So, all these things cause us to worship ourselves instead of worshiping God, which is idolatry. We are made alive to worship God in spirit and in truth. We are dead to the fleshly desires of this earth. But we cannot win the war against this idolatry if all these things that we just mentioned still hold our affection. If our mind and our heart desire these things that God has commanded us to be mortified to, to kill, to be dead to, 
then we are engaging in idolatry. Remember, we are in a battle, and it's only getting stronger and harder to fight this battle each and every day. It's only going to be stronger for, for my kids and harder for my kids to fight this battle against this idolatry, which is these sins that we have listed. But we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. If we allow him to direct our affections, we will be able to conquer these things. And we can be victorious even as the world gets darker, we can be victorious. And, you know, actually, to tell you the truth, you, you see that in this world today as, as, you know, just to take, for instance, the political side, as that becomes darker to the left, even these people that were maybe somewhat in the middle that really never cared for politics, they're becoming awakened to the fact of how wicked these people are, Man. even though they don't have the knowledge of the truth. They just see the wickedness. You know, as the, the darker the, it becomes, the lighter the light becomes, right? Amen. Colossians 3.1, though, it tells us where our affections are to be. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Amen. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So just as Pastor Evans was talking last week, about how Isaiah, in order to understand himself, had to get his mind, get his eyes focused on the right place, understand where the Lord was, how high and lifted up he was, how exalted he was. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Colossians 3. In order to get our affections set in the right place, we got to focus on the throne room of God, and that's where our affections need to be. If our affections are focused on the things that take place in heaven, that throne room of God... The things of this earth we are going to be easily become dead to if we truly have our affection in the right area. So, what exists in the throne room of God? I know Pastor Evans did a good job, better than I can do, of explaining this last week. But what exists in the throne room of God? Where our affection is to be placed. The things where our affection is to be set. What exists there? And I know we, we could take this whole entire time to try to cover him. We still wouldn't. We could take lesson upon lesson, but quickly, let's just go, I'm just going to go through ten things that I thought of that exist in the throne room of God that we need to be setting our affection on. First of all, holiness. As Pastor Evans talked about last week, holiness. God is holiness. That is his main aspect. Sin cannot exist in his presence. So if we understood that one first and foremost, holiness exists in the throne room of God. All these things that cause us to be unholy, we should put aside. Light. It's the second thing that I thought of that exists in the throne room of God. Light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. So if we like these things of darkness, our affections, our affections set in the throne room of God where only light exists where light is emanating from the Lord. Beauty. Beauty is the third thing I thought of. Out of the beauty of holiness, God has shined. You know, we see so much ugliness take place in this world today. Just every, you know, if you watch the news, it's ugly. If you read an article on the internet, it's ugly. If you look at a tweet and then look at the comments on the tweet, it's ugly. The way we respond to people is ugly today. It is not beauty. It's ugly. We need to focus on the throne room of God and think of the beauty that encompasses the throne room of God, the beauty that is in heaven. And we need to put our minds 
onto that and set our affection on those things that are beautiful, that bring glory to God and not to the ugliness that of our own hearts and our, you know, it's easy when somebody responds to us negatively to, to respond negatively back. And that's something we all have, uh, are guilty of and we all need to be aware of that it's something we need to put aside. Fourth thing, praise to God. The angels and the saints never cease in their praise in heaven. So if we can't praise the Lord on the earth, are we setting our affections on the things above as we should? The fifth thing, ordered accomplishment of God's will. The Lord's prayer said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is always accomplished. It's always accomplished in order and according to his time. And he accomplishes his will on this earth as well. But that's one of the things that we should be praying for as well. That as it is done in heaven, so is God's will done on this earth. Which means God's will is not always done on this earth as he would desire it to be. He is still in control. But it's not all, we don't always do God's will. But in heaven, God's will is always done. So if our affections are set on things above, we're going to be focused on doing God's will in his order, in his time, and not our own will. Sixth thing, the tree of life, that eternal life that is in heaven. And then the tree of life whose leaves heal the nations when the new Jerusalem, the, the leaves provide healing for the nations. See, there's healing in heaven. There, there's life in heaven. There's no, no death in heaven. That's the things we need to be setting our affections on. Pure gold, pure gems, pure everything. No corruption. No corruption. It would be nice if we had no corruption of our cars. You know, cars corrupt as soon as you buy them. It's like a, a button you just push. Die. Right? <laughs> as soon as you sign that title. It's like, it's like signing a death warrant, right? That's the corruption we have faced in everything. You know, there is not one thing that we have on this earth that doesn't experience corruption. How long does your cell phone last? Some of us, not long, like two weeks. Others, maybe, maybe a couple of years, you know? Your cell phone doesn't last very long. All these things we put our money on and we spend our money on doesn't last. But yet, so much of our affection is placed on these things that we spend our money on as opposed to setting our affection on these eternal riches that God has prepared for us. The eighth thing that exists in heaven in the throne room of God is those believers, those saints who've gone on before us, and the angels that worship and praise our Lord. That's in the throne room. The prayers of the saints that will be burned with incense before God's throne. The smell of heaven is the prayers that we have made on this earth. How much scent are we adding to the throne room of God? How much of our prayers are going up with this incense on the altar to God. And most importantly, Jesus our Savior, the one who made us new, who gave us this opportunity to live out in newness of life and to set our affections on the things above. So why do we continue to desire the things of this earth so much? Verse 6, it tells us that the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience for these things. We are saying God's wrath poured out on our nation and maybe on us individually, we've seen God's wrath poured out on us as we've given our affections over to these earthly things as opposed to focusing on the eternal things that exist in, in heaven, in the throne room of God. If we were to set our minds in accordance with God's mind, set our heart in accordance with God's heart on these ten things that are in heaven, that are in the throne room of God, setting our affections on these things above, 
becoming, to the dead, to, becoming dead to these fleshly things of this earth, mortifying our members that are on this earth, would be no problem for us if we truly had our affection set on things above as we should. Obviously, our flesh still has, our pull, has a pull on us, but let's consider ourselves dead to our flesh, alive unto God. And then as Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.